guess, record from this computer. All right. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever time you are tuning in. This is your girl, Kayla Monet, aka the Little Black Beetle, and you are tuning into Beetle Talks. Um, on today's episode, we're talking about people of color and when they pick and choose to use that card. Um, today, I have a special guest for you, one of my good friends, Mari. Go ahead and introduce yourself, let people know who you are, what you stand for, and what's your platform. Hey, my name is Imari, and I am 23. I'll be 24 next week, and I ain't with none of this whack shit that's been going on, you know? I ain't, I ain't really with it, because, you know, I gotta be black every day. I'm black every day. I don't get to pick and choose a black woman dating a black man with a black family. This is every day. Right. So I just feel like when it comes to everything that's going on, people are being very selective. And now is not the time to be selective. So that's part of the tea. Right. And as I know, um, I've seen um, on Facebook, you had posted um, about Hispanics or Hispanics or Latino community not really speaking up but they love to use the n-word so you want to like elaborate on that like you know let me know what you mean absolutely um i uh of course am a military brat my parents were in the military so i moved around a lot and um i lived in florida for i think around like six to eight years and before i really got into black history i was always around hispanic people of course and they always said it so at first you're thinking like it's a normal thing. And then once you learn about the history and where it comes from, you kind of think about it like, why are you even saying this? Why do you want to say this? Right. Because as soon as you ask your uncle Pablo, he's telling you, no, he's not black. He's Dominican, Puerto Rican, Mexican. He's this, he's that. He's not black. He's not black. So if that's the case, why do you get to say the n-word where where do you where do you fit in who right. are you that's i just i never understood that and the same thing of course goes for white people and the ones who feel like they're they're allowed to say it because they were brought up around majority black people and i don't feel like that should be a thing either i definitely agree with you on that especially um i had a debate in class and the girl she was like, yeah, I know a white girl from Tidewater Park, blah, blah, blah. You know, she was raised around the hood, da, da, da. And she say it because, like, you know, when she, when she say it, it's not really derogatory. I was like, okay, let's break that down. Yeah, she's a white girl from the hood, but at the same time, she does not know what it's still like to be black. She can literally leave the hood, and no one's going to know where she's from when she gets stopped by the cops. All they're going to see is a white woman. They're not going to see a white woman from where. But you from the hood, they're going to see you from where. From like just like when they say African American, there's definitely white, there's definitely white Africans. But how come when she comes over here, she's not considered an African? Say, well, you know, a white South African, they come over, they come to America. Why are they not considered African American? Right, they're white. They're they're white though. <laughs> they're right. white. Not a thing. They're white, it's and then a- it's not a thing. You know, have you seen a white African American? Technically, if you want to go by that, because. When you go do census, people um, from like Northern Africa and uh, the Middle East, they can check off Caucasians. So, you know, you really, 
it, it's like you want to pick and choose who who you want to group. And then same mm-hmm. thing with the Dominicans and Latinos. I definitely understand that because you know I'm cut from Brooklyn. Everybody I went to school with, they say it all the time. But at the same sentence, you nappy headed bitch. Like you know a lot of it. They want to say nigga this, nigga that. You nappy headed. Oh, I'm not black. And I'm like, sure, you talking to me. Just because you speak a little Spanish, you know, a little bachata, don't make you less black. And we think we thought that shit come from. Right. So I was like, no. And it's like, you know, you want to use the N-word, but when it comes down to black issues and when it comes down to oppression of people of color, you, uh, nah, I ain't, oh, I ain't with that. So, like, I never really understood that. And honestly, you know, then it just... It just doesn't make sense. I was like, you can't pick and choose. The, the most confusing thing that I've realized is happening to me right now is my non-Black friends that I've been friends with for over five years that date Black men and always have are all of a sudden looking around like, do I, do I comment? And I'm like, this is your time to shine. Yes, absolutely. You comment. I don't understand why you wouldn't. And this then is your time also, to shine. It's so confusing because I'm just like, you're good enough to have sex with a black man, have kids with a black man, but you don't want to stand up for a black man. It makes no sense, and it's because like, I think you know it's really it's a fetishized because I know I knew I know a guy you know I used to talk to this guy and he he was uh, his mom was white dad was black his dad you know was in jail gangs and shit like that his mom had a was really racist towards black men really? yeah and she took that out on the children um shorty you had unprotected sex with black men what the fuck you think was gonna happen you gonna have black babies. So if you don't like black men that much, don't don't procreate with them. Don't procreate. And that's my whole thing. Like, do they do women understand or even men understand the the levels that you have to be on not to understand what you're doing when you procreate with a black person? And the fact that white people are at this point where they feel like they're superior. They're the elite. I'm just like, but you're not. You're not the superior. You're not the elite. Because we have done everything. Before you, we are Beyonce, okay? Y'all are the other two Destiny Child girls. I'm sorry, look, Latoya, I look, I love y'all, but come on. Like, don't do that. Who The, the Black Moors, when, when y'all was in the great, uh, the, the dark ages, shitting on your staircases. Don't know how, that's why, that's why you think, how you think perfume got invented? Because them little European kings and queens did not, did not know how to bathe. There's a reason why the left hand is disrespectful. It was in there wiping their ass with their hands and then shitting on these staircases. That house was dirty, they were shitting outside. And then the black moors came up there, was like, honey, no. Mm-mm. They were like, oh, we don't, we don't live this way. Well, well. <laughs> We're the elite. <laughs> right. And then they, they, so they taught them how to bathe, taught them, um, taught them sewer systems and stuff like that. And then also, too, I, uh, taking like his, a lot, I take, you know, I take a lot of history classes with, um, with my major. So I noticed that when all the invasions happened after Mansa Musa, 
Mm-hmm. You know, he was giving out gold. He literally threw off people's economy, giving mm-hmm. so much gold. And, you know, they heard that up north, and they're like, you know, they already had that mindset after coming out the dark ages. They're like, nah, we're not going to ever live like that again. And they had that savage mindset of what what's mine is mine, but what's yours is yours, if I can take it. And in Africa, we had an equestrian, we were more in a question, we were more like, you know, everybody, Loki, we were socialists. <laughs> all that gold but you gave him around he could have kept that to himself but he did he was right. literally helping people out and that's why and people like that's how the whole downfall with africans we're dealing with people who do not see the humane in us they are on a savage level we were more like educated and you know trying to spread knowledge and wealth throughout everyone yeah we had the shanties we had the zulus but we had it wasn't enough mm-hmm. how do you think tell the difference between someone who has a fetish and isn't speaking up and someone who has a genuine love for the black community but don't feel like they should put their input how can you really tell the difference because i think that's what i'm battling with the back and forth trying to figure out whether it's just been years of a fetish or whether you really love and care about the black community enough to take a stand and say something and speak up, especially for the white women and white men who have black kids. It's it's about your actions and knowledge. So the times that we're in right now, mm-hmm. are you speaking up about it? What are you doing? Are you how are you using your white privilege to dismantle the system that you have been bitten from for years? And mm-hmm. I've dated I've dated um, I've dated a, a white person one time. <laughs> back in high school because you know all right you know our school is real diverse you know so i was like let me try it out let me try it out yep. our, pro- our problem was he did not understand his white privilege mm-hmm. he felt like revert he then also he thought reverse racism was a thing it's not a fucking thing but mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna talk about that um yeah. <laughs> he didn't he didn't acknowledge his privilege. Like I'm like, but he didn't think white privilege was a thing because he felt that because I was college educated, my fam- my family's college most of his family did not have college degrees. The most um and you know, my my family has really good careers and they've done well for themselves. Mm-hmm. But you gotta understand how we were raised. You weren't taught constantly your whole life to be better. You were not taught to to strip your blackness to make it okay right. you didn't have a talk where um me and my grandma was in there arguing about kids i don't have because of the names i wanted oh you know, they, they they're gonna know that they're black and they're not gonna get a job you know, what a girl that got check off black anyway with the right it's not gonna matter even if they do if come in they still gonna try ways to keep us out coming from our hair names how we talk and i refused i was like i was like yeah i really think about it why do you have why do why are we taught to strip our blackness and will seem less black and less threatening to make it in the world you weren't taught that and that's why you are at where you at because your parents never pushed you to be better um and then my grandma yeah my grandma my grandma's an rn she's retired now but when she got to her position the doctors never she was only black one and they never acknowledged her her credentials her authority they would go to the nurses under her who didn't even wow. know the answers and they had to go to her to get the answer the doctor heard them they literally walked past her office and she's like mm-hmm. like it's you can't wild. tell you can't tell her that it's crazy it's a it's a wild world i think when i finally do 
procreate with a black man, and I'm gonna make that very clear, <laughs> with a black man, when I, <laughs> when I procreate, I'm not, I think the one thing that uh, we do generationally that we need to stop is telling our kids that they have to work 10 times harder, okay? Because my whole thing is, I busted my ass regardless because I just wanted to make those grades. I wanted to have those grades. I wanted to go to college. I wanted to do these things. And in order to achieve these things, you had to do well in school. Unfortunately, because my 10th and 11th grade year, I went to a racist high school called Cumberland Valley in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, Because you really can't be surprised. At school, yes, they informed us about SAT practices and ACT practices, but I feel like I, for some reason, just missed that whole part because of everything else that I had going on. People were calling me a nigger, knocking my stuff off of the table. I had to fight all the time. I was always in my grade level principal's office, always. And my, oh. you said 10th and 11th grade, so that mean this is 2012 to 13? Yep. <laughs> like, yep. it's crazy. And I've definitely experienced that with two when I lived in Florida and I was in elementary school. I was, I was eight years old, and we got on the bus. And this little boy said to me and my brother, because we were the only two, it was four black kids in school, including me and my brother. Mm-hmm. No black teachers, no black students. It was maybe two, it was two twins. They were black, they were, they were mixed, but they mm-hmm. didn't fuck with us. And all the white kids, they thought, the custodian, and all the custodians were black, and black and Mexican. Every black person, oh, there goes your dad. I was like, no, my dad's a carpenter. Oh, there goes your little brother. I don't know that boy. Um, but we got on the bus and a little boy was like, you smell that? Black people just got on the bus. And I was, my brother said, shut the hell up, you vanilla cake. I was just like, and I was like, yo, dip yourself in some soup. <laughs> and these are children. They will say super, so much shit to us. Talk so much shit. My stepmom really, my stepmom had to, um, go to the principal and write letters because she was a uh, she was a teacher at another school and we begged her to let her go to the school that she taught at because she taught at a, a black school in the middle of the fucking hood and we were happy when we finally transferred we went to the hoodest ass elementary school ever but i didn't i was so happy to be just comfortable because i was they made me so uncomfortable there yes. like asked me weird questions like do you know your dad can you dance? Keep my bodyguard. Like they always thought I was aggressive. And then once I said, I was like, y'all, I was like, y'all white people give me the key to Jeebies. And then I was the racist. Right. And it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy how they'll try and flip it because in Cumberland Valley, after these things started to happen, they would say that they were contacting my parents every time I got in trouble. But every time I got home, I was never in trouble. So I knew that they weren't calling my black ass parents and telling them, hey, your daughter's in trouble again because somebody called her the N-word in the hallway and she picked up the biggest trash can she could find and threw it. Hello. <laughs> I would have been right with you, girl. Shit. Let me not, let me hear that shit. And, and that, <laughs> that was, but that was my first time experiencing 
real racism because in Florida, I didn't necessarily have those issues until I was able to unpack the things that people were doing in Florida. Like mm-hmm. when girls would see my hair straight and they would put their hands in my hair because I have nice hair and it was long. And they were like, how'd you get your hair like that? How'd you... The same they way. They did the you, same thing to me, girl. They did the same thing to me. It's terrible, and it's just like, how do I, how do I explain this to a five-year-old? Right. When I, how do I prep them? How do I tell them that somebody's not gonna want to play with them as a because baby? because they're black, and that shit's taught. Because a girl told me that when I was in fourth grade, she said she couldn't play with me because her mm-hmm. parents said black people were bad and she shouldn't be playing with them. And I was like, are you kidding me? And it, 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 and these are kids. So you tell, you can really tell what's happening at their dinner table. And I was living in Southwest Florida near the mm. Everglades. You know, we know the people okay. we get. Yeah. I was near the Everglades and this shit, and I was going to uh, sterile. Ain't no black people up in there. They, they try to touch my hair too. I never permed my hair, so I wore a big curly afro. So I literally, I look Cuban. And I remember my, my third grade teacher trying to, she tried to play. She played a game in class. Come on, what's your nationality? And I kind of feel like she did that to see what I was. Cause mm-hmm. I was really, you see, you see how light I am, and I had a little bit of tan, but I was the darkest motherfucker up in there. Bag. I wonder why schools get away with doing these uh, slavery enactment projects. Because when I was in the sixth grade in Florida, um, I believe this was Jacksonville. I was at Oakleaf Middle School and they literally heated up a trailer to like a hundred and maybe like two degrees or a hundred degrees. And they made all of us go in there, sit crisscross applesauce behind each other really tightly. And we watched a documentary about the slave ships and all that other shit while also filling out a, a you know, assignment sheet. And my whole thing is like, why would that? That's how I was introduced to Black history, and I do not think that should have been something that I should have had to experience that way with a white teacher, with white teachers. That, and then I feel like a Black teacher wouldn't have taught it that way. No, because history does not start at slavery, and and, I, and I honestly, when they talk about slavery in class. It's like, oh, is this, are you trying to teach me history? Or are you trying to remind me where you think my place is in this world? Right. Like, what, what are you doing? What's right. your, what is your end goal? And here? because of that, I think that's why a lot of peop, other people of color, um, especially Dominicans, and especially Dominicans, they don't really teach them. They, when they talk about slavery, they always show Africa. And they mm-hmm. always show Africa. They show always show the middle, the the middle patch. They always show Africa, America, and Europe. But they never show down how they had the boats going down to Brazil. Brazil has the highest population of African descent people. Absolutely. Um, they didn't. They don't teach you about the Haitian Revolution, where ha- that whole island was Haiti. And after the revolution, French the French was in debt, and they had to. They sold half of that island to pay for that. So that's mm-hmm. how Spain. Um, got, that's how you got Dominican Republic because they Spain um, bought half of that land right. from France. 
to help parents pay that debt. And then right. when, when they did, um, after they bought the land, they, they split it off. And then Haiti um, had to pay, like, Haiti had to pay back French until the night, until 1940s. And mm. then once they finished paying off their debt, they closed all the borders to Haiti. Um, no longer trade with them. So to this day, they're still punishing Haiti for the, the um, Haitian Revolution. That was in 1791. Yeah. Haiti was the first slave, uh, first black slave revolt, and it also, too, spread word around and caused other slave revolts with um, there was, Nat Turner and all that. Wasn't there one in, in Florida, and it included black i think it was black slaves escaped like louisiana i learned this like two years ago in my uh, college um african-american studies class that that wasn't elective it wasn't a class by the way and so i took the class and we learned about how um black people like escaped uh, louisiana and they got to florida and then it was spanish people there that mm-hmm. they were protecting for a while before um, troops came and tried to invade. But by that point, it was enough black people and Spanish people to fight with them. Right. But while they were waiting, what do you think they were doing? Procreating. So you're telling me that with this history in a book that anybody can go read, that I still have Spanish people telling me that you're not black? Right. Look at the history of Cuba. There's Cubans that are, there's Cubans that are your uh, skin complexion. And if you look at their religion, Santeria, Santeria came from Yoruba. And that's the West African religion. You just put a little Sazon up there. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's basically what you did. You just really just took, you just literally took ancient African religion and spirituality, put a little bit of Sazon, created your own thing. That's how we got voodoo because the Africans, that was in Haiti. That's what you had in um in Louisiana, mm-hmm. and then that's how you got hoodoo. Hoodoo was in the South Carolina, and hoodoo was um what uh, they you they created to practice their to practice their old African spirituality because slaves weren't allowed to practice it. Voodoo came because the French they let they still let them practice it, and then that's how you get Catholics because they had to use Christianity to hide it. So when Catholics we talk, I was like, the Book of Palms is a spell book. The saints and all that they're African deities. Yeah, like the Virgin Mary. I think I want to say the Virgin Mary is Oshun. Is she Oshun? I want to see, I want to say she is, but I'm not I'm sure. Gonna, Don't quote me on that. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go, uh, like read up on that for sure because my whole thing is uh, another issue that I'm having is the the black community that's big Christianity, which of course, cool, you're big on Christianity, understood. But my whole thing is, when are y'all gonna wake up? Yes, right. you. Christian, absolutely. But can you be a black Christian? Because the way it was introduced, you got to break that down. You have to absolutely break that down. And I'm gonna get a lot, a lot of hate for this comment. But no, I agree with you there. They use slavery, they use Christianity to oppress us. And my whole thing is like, and it's kind of like black people just picked it up and went with it and who, who taught us christianity though and like no one really 
your 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 oppressor taught you religion, and right. you, and all the deities and the religions are white because yep. they want you. They want us to see them as gods. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, they want us to see the superior. They want us to make it, they want to low. And then during slavery, the only parts they could read of the Bible was the Bibles that promoted slavery. Mm. They they took out, ex- they didn't, they never, um, they took out Exodus. Mm-hmm. Because they don't, they don't want, the, they didn't want to give them the idea that they're able to get out of it. And that's my whole thing about religion. It's, it, so many different versions of these uh, books, these important books for these different religions have been changed over time so much by, well, since we're talking about Christianity, we're just going to keep it at Christianity and talk about how every chance a white man got, he changed the Bible. Yeah, do you know how many versions of that there are? (laughs) And then you would get some black Christians, well, the King's James, that's the true Bible. How do you know? But my whole thing is let's let's unpack King James real quick. Like what do you what do you know about King James to feel so comfortable with and his version? Isn't that the one? No, that's the that's the Lutheran the Lutheran church. The one that yeah. is the one that um what he only he only created religion so he can get divorced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like seven wives because he kept killing them because they didn't have a son i was like what exactly and that's my whole thing like i really i really just don't understand the dynamic that black christians are on most of the time like i'm not saying all of them are like this yeah majority of them are not woke enough to the fact that christianity was taught to oppress Exactly. That's what I try to tell people. If that's something that you want to commit to, I'm down for it because the I've read different religious books and different, you know, articles about them. And I was like, I'm going to go ahead and settle with Buddhism right now because all the rest of this is kind of like some bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely there. Like with me, like I, girl, you know how I'm sad. So like, my mom, she was Muslim for a little bit. So you know, I tried that. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of work. Organized religion, <laughs> a lot of work, bro. I tried to be a Hindu when I was in middle school. That shit, I was like, all right, that's too much. Mm-hmm. Um, then my dad's my dad was raised Baptist, and then I was like this i was like this is ridiculous i was like grandma why i gotta give a dollar and my grandma couldn't tell me and i was like all right so i'm done with this <laughs> i was like i'm done so then i went to rastafari and you know i stuck with rastafari for a really long time but the only thing i would i because the rastafari wasn't was a spirituality not religion but it they read the king james where you can pick and choose i didn't read that but when I when I got more deeper into the Rastafari, it, it became really misogynist. Okay. It, it is there's some parts that it gets really religious, and I'm okay. like, you, and it little contradicts itself because it's like no one can tell you how to embrace jaw, but women have hella rules. Mm-hmm. You no, know, if I'm single, I have to be I have to be abstinent and I have to pray for a man. I'm not doing that. <laughs> you, women can't wear pants. I can't, you, you can't masturbate, you can't watch porn. <laughs> I was like, okay, I was like, y'all doing too much. So I took, I like the spirituality 
of Rastafari, like, you know, I like the ITO diet. I like taking your taking one day to sit down and read and connect with yourself and connect. I like the ancestral part of Rastafari, Absolutely. but the little text part, no. But I mean, yeah. I can't put myself in a box. So I'm too much of a free spirit. So and I, say, I take like, little things. All these people who want you to subject yourself to something without the knowledge. That's my problem. A lot of these parents are like, okay, I was raised Catholic. Like my mother was raised Catholic, mm-hmm. went to Catholic school. My dad, I believe he was raised Baptist. And it was just one of those things where I was forced to go to church and I hated it. But as I got older and I voluntarily went to one of my friend's church that their father pastored at, when I went there, I always had a great time. Always. I loved the the singing. I loved everything about it. I would cry every time my friends mm-hmm. sang, every time because it just resonated for me. But once I realized the stipulations of it all, I was like, I just need to read up on everything else and then decide for myself. And I really don't have or religion just picked. Right, it's a spirituality because religion was man-made and man is corrupt, which corrupts the religion. That's why all all these religions, um, they contradicted themselves and they, especially the, you know, Islam, Christianity, Judaism, they all say the same thing just in different languages. Absolutely. And don't see, I don't see a significant difference in each one. They They all have a book they all basically say the same things. And it's just kind of like, all right, cool. Like, of course I have more to learn. Of course I have more that I can read about. But from the basics. And so many books, girl. On down, it all says the same shit. Hello, they, and they all got the same origin. They all origin from David. They literally, yeah. because I read, I read the Quran because, you know, uh, my mom, my dad skimmed through the Bible because I can't read it. Uh, the Quran. I can sit through the Quran, but I can't sit through the Bible. It's so weird. <laughs> I feel you know like, what? I'm trying to sit through the Bible, and I can't do it either. I can't read. I can't sit through. I read the first three pages, and I'm like, yeah, nah. But the Quran, I can like flip through it, and there's, there's some stuff that I do like about the Quran because I, I I don't I don't have a problem with Islam. I actually do like if I had to pick one, it mm-hmm. would be Islam because mm-hmm. it's. If you do not like people do your research and what they see on TV, Islam is not like what they're doing in Saudi Arabia. They're not true Muslims. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to. Uh, women are not oppressed. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in the in the Quran, you don't oppress women. And the when the part that says like you know if your wife's not obedient, you got smack her around. That's like this. Um, it's kind of like it's like these sections of it. Um, that's that they made like no little ter- like they they made that part of it mm-hmm. those are add-ons it's not that's not the true quran um, it's supposed to be a respect because women give life they literally do respect women because this person birthed your sons it birthed their sons they do really care about having kids sons though right. <laughs> I, I, honestly i don't know a man who doesn't want a son because for them when they're being brought up as they get older it's instilled in them that they need a an heir for themselves like of course and that's misogyny that's misogyny right there because a lot of people think women can't be leaders and honestly girl 
you you need to be. I know you say you're busy and stuff like that. Get an audible. Yeah. Well, I'm, in your, <laughs> I'm always down to read. Get an audible if you can't actually sit down with a book because I'm you know I was working two jobs, going to school full time, so I didn't have time to read either. But listening in, um, I I listen to it when I'm driving or when I'm getting dressed. It's like basically listen to the radio, but it's a book, and like, you you get through books faster. But right. read a lane, read a taste of power by Elaine Brown. Okay. She saved the Black Panther Party. Right? So did you did you ever get to finish Medical Apartheid? Yes, it's disturbing. It's hard. It's hard to finish. It's hard. Like I'm literally in the middle of the book, and I have to read this book every like six months in pieces. Yeah, it's 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 really it's distaste. It's really like. That's what I understand when people be like black, how they feel like black people are aggressive and how they put this image. That's what else do I think that's why other people of color see black people that way because mm-hmm. how we are portrayed, you know. Right. And um, I noticed that when uh, um, I was reading up uh, something that when Africans come over, they show them a video of America. And when they show them the black community, they show them um, the drug, they show them like, you know, the the Reagan the Reagan video uh-huh. when he was uh doing the raids and busting up and, and in the black community with the crack cocaine yeah they only show the the bad parts of they don't show the good parts they okay, don't and, show the whole diaspora and now that I know that it makes sense why so many African people hate American black people. It makes it makes sense because they, I, they make it seem that though we're dangerous and we're bad and we're a bad influence. Right. And that's not and that's not remotely true because I honestly believe if if slavery never happened, right? We would all be in Africa doing the damn thing. Hello. And you <laughs> a thing. It'd be looking like Wakanda, bro. It'd be really Wakanda forever. And, you know, it's just, like, just minorities in general, like, I can't, I can't, like, me trying to wrap my head around uh, being a minority as a collective with other minorities is hard for me because of what they do. Right. Because when any type of Asian, doesn't matter, Philippines, uh, China, Japan, Vietnamese, doesn't matter. They come over to America. They are literally given the option to choose to be on the white side or the black side. And more than half of the time, they choose the white side. Right. And that's why you see that when they date outside their race, especially like Japan, well, Japan don't like anybody that's not Japanese, but they'd rather their their kid bring home a white man or a white woman than a black person. Right, absolutely. It's always everything but black. And I remember my uncle was dating this Italian girl, and she met he met the dad, and you know, and the father said, you know, you're a really great guy and everything. You're really nice. The only thing that's wrong is your skin tone. And that's wild to me. And you know why that's wild to me? Because Italians were oppressed well. They were oppressed as well. But let me see. And that that brings us to 
Okay, so yeah, you know they yeah they discriminate against the Irish and Italians, right? Mm-hmm. But you know they wanted to expand their white supremacy. They wanted to make them. They said they did the same because you know they did the same thing to the Jewish. But since they're still white, you can we can still reel you in and right. treat you just a little bit better than black people, so you can still feel better than black people. Because mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, yeah, we got racism and sexism. But capitalism right there is our big umbrella. That it's a whole domino effect. That's how they killed Fred Hampton because Fred Hampton was organizing the poor whites and the poor blacks in the west side of Chicago because they were the labor force of Chicago. Yeah. They don't want. And also too, I hate to say it, poor white people are the most ignorant ass motherfuckers on this fucking planet. Because that's how Donald Trump is in office. Mm-hmm. And also too, and my grandmother was saying, you got a poor white man. And he's still, and he, you see, and you got a brother that's doing better than him. It's gonna make him angry. Right. Absolutely. He's gonna be like, "Why is this nigga better than me?" And it's wild because the work that Hampton was doing was the same work that they done previously before slavery even happened. Sorry. Before slavery even happened. It was instilled, right? That an an indentured servant was what? Was what? Was white. Poor white people and poor black people working together to get a job done that they were being paid for, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So this also includes what Hampton was trying to do. Right, because it's a power structure. He's like, you're in the same boat. It's a power struggle. You got the 1% mm-hmm. who is dictating and telling everything what you want to do. And mm-hmm. then so that's why I say it's, it's more people who are working class than are mm-hmm. rich. But who's right. in control. Right. And that's what they don't want. Right. Absolutely. And that's why they cut him down. He was 21 years old and he was, and he was sleeping. He never saw it coming. Yeah, and that's my and that's my only thing when it comes down to the whole idea of Hampton. He was he was given the opportunity in the life to make a difference. And he did that. And unfortunately his life was taken for it, but that was that that was the, blood. Yes, and that was the and that was the start of what we needed. Right? It was right. to everybody in the same class to work together and when you have these ignorant illiterate ass white people right right that barely have an education that barely have any knowledge on anything and then you let them vote Right. That's how Donald Trump got into office majority of his voters were poor whites and in and you know, they don't really have knowledge. To po- they don't have no political knowledge or anything. They really right. think that Republicans are for them. And Republicans are all about big business and little government because they want to do what the fuck they want. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I even asked one of my uh, one of my white friends that I had been friends with for two, three years at this point. Worked with him. We're really cool, close friends. I asked him. I think we were having a discussion because I'm always down to have a discussion. Right, because we need to have these conversations. Fuck who makes it uncomfortable. So that's why um, things that's why things are the way they're now because no one wants to talk about it. And then see the ugly truth. 
when they do want to talk about it, they always want to somehow throw a jab. And, and get defensive. And that's why I can't have the conversation because you're not gonna hatch, like start off intellectual and then try to throw a jab and think that I'm not gonna throw one back because right, they- you know, you know when you debate with white people and they get mad, all of a sudden, never, <laughs> right, right, immediately, <laughs> immediately. I don't understand that. But anyway, I was talking to him and he basically told me that him and his family voted for Trump for business reasons. And I was like, this man is, has been bankrupt. He literally what? is rich off of debt. Like, what, what? What? That's how he accumulates his wealth. He accumulates his wealth through debt. What business aspect are you talking about? Because I'm lost. I'm really lost. Like, what, what makes you think this man is good at running a business? You're literally, t- he, Donald Trump It is what white America is. He is, I come from money, mm-hmm. okay? I don't understand you poor people problems because none of this should affect me because I was living in my penthouse looking down on you poor motherfuckers, mm-hmm. okay? And, you know, because I have money, I can do what the fuck I want. He does not respect women. He does not, um, he does not respect people of color. Um, and, and he's literally showing a pompous ass of himself. He's not educated. And your co- yeah, whatever college you went to, your parents paid for it. A lot of these Ivy League white kids, they don't get into these Ivy League schools because they, um, they're smart or their grades are good. Their parents pay for the library. Their parents get money. When my, my brother just graduated from Columbia this semester, and a lot okay. of he played basketball, and a lot of people okay. was like, "Oh, well, you got an athletic scholarship." He was like, "No, I got an academic scholarship." He was like, "The <laughs> athletic, right?" He was like, "The athletic scholarship was just a plus." He was right. like, "I got it off academics, and I got a little brother who goes to Universal, uh, who goes to Marshall University." Okay. He both. He also has an athletic and um athletic academic scholarship because he wants to be a bioengineer a biochemical engineer yes honey i got my and mind you i got three brothers so you know with this shit going on in this world i do fear for them because they're tall six 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 three the the 11 year old brother he's super smart he's five nine because he's taller than me he likes to he like he never lets me forget and he got a scholarship too he he only is a sixth grade Exactly. I have a 14-year-old brother who looks like he's about 16 years old. So when all of this happened, I immediately thought about my family and my boyfriend's Because I'm just like, I have to literally say a prayer for my family every day because some some white person is going to act like they scared and kill them. I'm sorry. That don't work for me. Right. That's why I I don't really understand how, especially when people, other people of color try to be like, try to use their oppression too. I'm like, but literally, this shit with black people has been going on for years. I should not have to be worried about my little brothers on the street. No one's gonna know that they're the sweetest motherfuckers ever. All they see is tall, tall brothers. That's right. It. And they and, don't care. Right, it's hunting season. It's literally, it's literally open season, hunting season for black people right now. And when you see a black person get killed or when you're literally watching a video of them getting lynched, cause that's what the fuck it is, it, you're imagining your own family. Mm-hmm. It's just—it's really emotional because you—you you see this man getting uh getting shot or this woman getting shot or just strangled in any type of way, and you just sit there looking at him like, "Yo, that could have been my uncle, that could be my father." I think you and when all this shit kind of broke out, right? I was of course emotional about it, but I was able to hold it 
together until Trump tweeted that shit about these thugs will be shot down if you guys can't get them under control, the military will shoot them down and da 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 da. And I'm just like, did you just get did you just did you just give them the go? To kill and let let five them do five. that and fight. it's gonna be all, and I hate to say it, it's gonna be a full blown war us versus them. It's gonna be a war. It's going to be a war. Your girl license to carry, so I'm ready. All right, I got me my 380. Okay, okay. I know how to. And I know how to shoot all types of guns: AK-47s, AR-15s, shotguns, and I'm pretty good. Crazy because I never was the type to be. Even though I fought all the time growing up, like I was never the type to want to be violent or to, you know, really be interested in having to shoot a gun. But it's a necessity for Black families to teach their children about gun licenses, everything they that teach you teach their children. Everything. Everything that you need. And But you, but us thinking, we're just kind of like, oh, you know, my kid, I don't have to teach my kids about this until they're old enough. You literally have to instill the fact that your child might need to be able to work a gun just in case. Right. At the age of like 10. They teach their kids. Them kids know how to hunt. Um, Nansman River, them kids know how to shoot. Mm. Them kids, that they've been practicing. Because when me, look, I'm going to say, me, you know, me and Diana, we got to, we got to uh, Nansman. And, you know, we from Brooklyn. We, well, she from Queens. But, you know, we from Concrete Jungle. We get out here. It's cornfields and there's a cotton field down yes. on Street. Driver, driver. And me and her like, and I just watched Changes of the Corn too, and I was we were like, hell, the fuck no. Nah. And that was our first time, literally. You know, yeah, I was at school in Florida, but it was only like three years because I begged my stepmom to keep me take us out. But Nansman, that was actually after that I went back to New York and would stay with my people. But mm-hmm. Nansman, it was like so many, and it's all types of, all types of. Cause remember when um we did that mock election with uh Romney and um Obama, and it brought all what? the motherfuckers out, and then all it's a lot of mixed kids at Nansman too, and they you really see them trying to figure out what side to choose. Yeah, and I, what year was that? Was that was that twenty fourteen? Twenty fourteen? No, I think it was. 13 because yeah i wasn't i don't know if i was present for that one because i uh started my senior year at Nansman. i didn't i didn't start out in high school at nansman so i think i missed a lot of that yeah that but, was junior year because i got i got to nansman in 2013 me and diana did the junior year but there was a small collection and it really brought them motherfuckers out and the and mixed kids possible. didn't know where they stood. The mixed kids didn't know where they stood. I don't understand why mixed mixed kids feel like they don't know what to choose. It's because of it's because of how they were raised, and honestly, it's more like that when the mom is white. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's always like that when the mom is white. When the mom is white, they never. They never fucking know. That's that. Hey, it's that's crazy. That happened with Doja Cat. Yes. 
and it and it sucks it sucks to to really like and then it's wild because majority of the time that it really happens is because uh, a mixed child is only raised by their white parents right when a mixed child is raised by their woke black father or their woke black mother and then their white other parent it, it pans out fine they they're figuring everything out they know exactly what to do because they're doing what's right it's not really about picking a side it's about doing what's right right and I, no one's telling you oh you gotta choose between being black or white but you got what makes kids in their identity issues because some it, it does get to the case where they're too black for the for the black for the white people and too white for the for the black people but mm-hmm. um it's just knowing where you where you go how, where you is where you stand because at the end of the day they're gonna see you as black mm-hmm. at the end of the day they not gonna be like oh yeah you're mixed you're fine no if so if it's a real quick they still gonna see a black a black person mm-hmm. because at the end of the day any anybody who is considered to be brown of any shade is going to be targeted and it's just really one of those things that I really have to think about every day because uh, when it's hot out, I get darker. Okay? I get darker. I'm not anybody's light anything. I ain't never been light. I was born light, but I did not stay light. <laughs> because I, I, that just wasn't in my I feel like most babies was born light because I was light as hell and I moved lighter. <laughs> I look white because my grandma was light-skinned as hell, too. Because I thought my grandma was a white woman. Oh, yeah. It happens. I just wish that more mixed people um, acted like the mixed people during the harder times. Because the mixed people during the harder times already knew that they were black. Because they made them feel it. Because one drop of blood, you still still the Negro or Negro, (laughs) referring to women. Um, majority of the of the mixed people back then 1960s on down majority of those people were forced to only be raised by that black parent right but now you know now it's because an interracial dating was illegal until the early 70s right well, interracial marriage was illegal until the 70s um but so like do you watch um so on this do you watch insecure Yes, yes. So that last episode where um, Molly talking about season four, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, you haven't seen season four? Okay. <laughs> Dang, I don't. I want to tell you this part, but I don't want to. No, 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 no. It's okay. It's not really. It's not really spoiling. Okay, so this is an episode. Molly went to Mexico with um, with uh, what's his name? The Asian one she was dating. Yeah. Very fine. I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I never dated an Asian man, but I was like, maybe because he had. I got a thing for men who wear the man buns. I don't fucking know. You got it's a man a, bun. I'm with it. It's a long hair thing for me. Yeah, like, it's a long I, hair thing. I'm like right here, and when he puts them up, I'm like, right. I was like, come on, let me let me. Stop. Let's talk. <laughs> I was like, I was like, you hungry? so they were in the pool they were in the pool they were in mexico and it was a pool so molly goes up to the pool person and asks for a towel 
Okay. And she was like, she needed a key card. Mm-hmm. Um, to her room pass. There was white people there, but they mm-hmm. already left by the time Molly got there. But Molly was like, these white people were there, but you didn't ask them to get their card. Blah blah blah. And mm-hmm. then so you know she was mad. The brother, his brother was there, and he actually helped her out, got showed him the key card and shit like that. So Molly mm-hmm. wants to pull back to where the her boyfriend, um, his sister in law and his brother. She's the only black one. They're all Asian. I think they're Chinese. Um, so she she was like telling me how she felt it was racist, race thing, and he was like, "But what if it wasn't?" Mm-hmm. And she was just like, "But it was. You don't you don't really understand. I can you know." And he was like, "Well, I experienced racism too," and she was just like, "She said that you know y'all pick and choose when y'all mm-hmm. want to." Um, do racism we experience racism and then the boyfriend was like i'm never like that i don't do that and she was like well you're different you actually acknowledge and he's just like well look how you who's picking and choosing what's racism is not and at the end of the day when i was thinking about it could it have been because when i saw the episode they already walked off so i don't know so i can't really say was the racist she was not but she did have a point was like yes they do pick and choose that when they want to experience racism or that oppression and the example of is this whole pandemic, you know, everybody was like calling the Chinese virus and talking about Chinese people, blah, 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 and Asian people and the whole Asian community was like, oh, this is not fair. And all the black people was like, oh, don't use this to discriminate against Asians, blah, blah, blah. And then they turned around and started discriminating against Africans. Like we was, well, like we was the problem with the coronavirus because they made it seem like black people had the highest rate of coronavirus, which we don't. We had the highest mortality rate of the coronavirus, but that's with any other disease because of systemic racism. Breast cancer. More white women get breast cancer than black women, but black women have will will most likely die with breast cancer um, than white women. Same thing with giving birth. Well, yep. a, a woman, two women, one black, one white, can literally both give birth in the same hospital, but that black woman has a higher rate of dying during healthcare because and of systemic racism, and they don't take care, they don't um, consider our health important. Important, they don't take consideration of our health. Like, and have you seen All American? Yeah. Yeah, all that of, is, when all he got it. shot, and how they treated him, talking about, oh, this is a contact with what Brock or Sarah said he was on, he was on drugs, or we don't know what he's taking. The fuck? You're a healthcare system. Life. That's all that matters. And right. it's wild because that's a, that's another reason why I take the book Apartheid so seriously, because this is still an life for people and that's another reason why I want to get my doula certification because I think it's important for black women to know all of their options for childbirth that you can give birth naturally you do not have to get an epidural you do not nobody has to force you to literally have your baby before your due date unless your baby is in distress or dying there is no reason for you to be forced to have your baby early your baby should be able to incubate in your in your body for as long as that baby needs within the 40 weeks right and babies come when they're ready so there's no such thing as a baby born too early at all they come when they're ready because i was supposed to be technically born um, December 25th, but I wasn't ready, so I came a week and a half after that, January 7th. <laughs> yeah. 
I was supposed to be born uh, in July, and I was born June 24th. Like, I was supposed to, I was literally supposed to be born middle of July. And my ass is like, I'm ready now. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> so, people tell you when they're ready to come. And I'm not saying be pregnant over the 40 weeks. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is more women, more black women, more minority women need to know that you can have your baby breach. You can have your baby any kind of way. You can literally turn your baby if your baby right. isn't. Because I've seen doctors, I've seen it do, they do that, try to turn the baby around manually. Absolutely. Without having to do a C-section. Because my stepmom got a C-section, and they literally took out her intestines and put it on the table, took the baby out, and then put shit back up in there. Yeah. I was yeah. like, ew. And it's, and it's, it's wild because um, there was this um, a little uh, black boy on TikTok, and he had this scar, and I think it was on his face, I believe. And mm -hmm. it was because too deep during his mother's C-section. They cut his face open. Yeah, that's why I refuse. I'm not giving birth in a hospital, but I'm having a kiddie pool in my living room. I'm not circumcising my son. <laughs> it's a lot, a lot of things to consider when, uh, when we start uh, procreating. We have to decide what we're going to do with our own kids because it's instilled in us that we have to do certain things. Right, and I, I'm never a rule abiding type of person. You're not gonna tell me what I gotta do with myself or my child. Exactly. I, <laughs> and decide. And especially if you're gonna have mixed children, I think it's very important to let, you know, so they won't grow up having these identity issues and don't end up like Doja Cat and all these other, but you know, yeah, she, she is canceled, but I do feel bad for her. I, I do because she literally has she's probably been balanced for years she just probably she probably really don't know what her place in the world and yeah and they do use that blackness as a trend because right now this is what's popping right now mm -hmm. but when was, it comes to real black issues they're like what that's really what it is when it as being a black person hell yeah this shit ain't uh this shit ain't sugar cubes and candy this shit real and it doesn't matter what skin complexion you are because they will still see you a certain type of way. I'm light-skinned. Well, yeah, I'm light-skinned. And they still treated me the same way. Like, it has nothing to do with how dark you are. If you black, you are black, and they're going to treat you like the black person they think you are. And you know what? And it's crazy because when that... And I've always loved Doja Cat. Like, me too. From, I was really disappointed. And when I found out about the whole situation that was going on, I was not mad at her at all i was disappointed as hell me too i was like damn i was really fucking with you like i didn't i never and what's crazy is when it when it comes to black people i really don't be thinking twice when i should because everybody doesn't have the same knowledge that i have right and also everybody ain't your brother so sometimes when you got it on the black hand side solid gold it was like let it roll solid gold you gotta make sure because you got some good old boy house Negroes, and they will sell you out. Because don't forget, it was um, FBI. It was FBI informant that pulled the nation is on to kill Malcolm X. It was a black man FBI informant who gave the layout to Fred Hampton's apartment. It was a black man who who uh, pulled. It was a black undercover cop who posed as uh, one of Karinda's crew of the UN organization and shot Bunchy Cleaver. 
and jo John Huggins in 1969, January 17th, to create a rift with the Black Panther Party and Karinga's crew because they already had a beef. And then once that incident happened, Karinga's crew and the Black Panther Party also started going left and right. So 1969, it was black. It was like it was a um, Karinga crew on the Black Panther Party and the police at the same time. And that's what they do. They they create a rift. Yeah, and I mean, like, it's always been like that. Like, when, because uh, I recently saw a comment, of course, by a white person that literally said that Black people always want to create this narrative. And I was like, no, 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 no. Let's, let's flip that. White people are always trying to create a narrative because they don't want to accept. And this is for the for the white people who claim they're not racist. Y'all want to create a narrative that this shit never existed and we just creating this shit because you don't want to look at yourself. You don't right. want to look in the mirror and see that you are the problem. You are the reason why all these buildings are burning the fuck down. You don't want to take ownership. And right. I'm big ownership i and it's I'm, a domino effect i don't know why everyone's still acting surprised and mm -hmm. you you should have seen this hat this coming i kept saying it i kept saying it all right you're going to keep tipping the barrel tipping the barrel tipping the barrel then you got this man in office and he is literally just putting gasoline and all this shit he's really creating attention and it's I, the point where i had to step away from work because one i'm the only one only black people there because all, there's only two other black people there but they're not really Mm-hmm. You know? So they know that they don't really acknowledge the issues either. So I'm literally the only black person there. And I don't feel comfortable all this racism going on and y'all coming here for a luxury massage. I don't I'm the, I'm the only I'm literally the only black girl at my job on the floor. And it's not and it doesn't have anything to do with uh who they hire. It has everything to do with the selective racist co-workers that I have. And I'm gonna speak on this because it's important. The I'm the only black girl on the floor and I am subjected to selective racist co-workers who have said racist things out of their mouth. There was a point in time a couple years ago where they used to call my job on Fridays, every Friday, Black Friday, and the man had to hold a meeting because they were just like, I hope y'all know that that's inappropriate as hell. Just because we have 30 black people coming in here on Fridays does not mean you get to call Fridays Black Friday. And they, I started working there because that shit would have been an uproar. But because it happened previously, I let that shit go. But I think now that I'm working there and have been to selective racism from customers and coworkers at a point and at a loss on what to do because I still got bills to pay. Right. Even though I'm not working right now because of COVID and the fact that I'm in school right now, it's kind of like, do I not go to work and find a new job or do I stand up and say something to my managers because I was just taking the tables that the others would not take because they were black. And then there was also a rule in place now that if you smell marijuana and you come in there, you can be denied service. So if they, they can't 
they act like that's enough to deny a table. And that's why I make the money that I make because the the, the black people that you ignoring, they can see that. They can feel that. Right. You can't when see I, that only white people, um, only black people smoke weed because um, I've been in a lot of cyphers with a lot of them white motherfuckers. They do dads. So they do all types of crazy weed shit. The I'm these pretty sure. are literally making these white dudes are literally getting rich off mar- literally getting rich off the cannabis empire while brothers are getting are in jail for it. Produced to it by white people, so it's right. just kind of, it 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 really became a thing for me and a serious thing as far as my job is concerned. Um, because I wasn't saying anything to my managers because I was just like, I fuck it, I can work through it, whatever. But it can after, be emotionally draining. Yeah, and I, really not, it really could fuck up your psyche. That's why I have to take I have to take my time away from work because I was going there like all this shit going on. And you guys are coming here for this shit. I was so upset. I was so upset. I had to take a break. And and you know what? It's just like I really had to think about um, whether I wanted to go back to work or not because my boyfriend works in the medical field and he. Uh, he tested positive for it because of course they test hospital workers to make sure that they're at their best mm-hmm. and subtracted it and he was asymptomatic and so was the rest of the household by the time he found out because none of us got sick none of us had a fever none of us got sick and the whole thing is like why would i go back to work right now in the middle of a pandemic and the state of virginia ain't even open yet not june 10th why would I go back to work and risk other people's health and my own? And when he still has to go to work all the time, he can he can easily come home and have it again. He can easily right, and that's why I don't think people because we're open up too early. And mind you, I work at a massage clinic, and I don't even understand how people can get massages when we we have to be at a distance. I don't understand what y'all using like hand rods. No, they have to wear their mask, and then the gloves are optional. But everyone has to wear masks, and then we have we we do like a pre-screening and check people's temperatures, and I have to be like ask questions basically. And in the past twenty-four hours, have you had these symptoms? Forty hours to your nod, do you know or anybody who's been around COVID nineteen? And you know, yeah, we're super we're super clean anyway. You gotta clean everything. This shit's still not safe. Right, it's not, and I don't think I don't think. Uh, uh, the governor of Virginia is really looking at that, and my problem with that is he works. But he's in- a doctor. He's he likes to, he loves to remind us that he's a doctor, but he doesn't he doesn't really um he doesn't really say like come on the 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 mayor the governor of New York like he sent that shit down like New York makes hella money, but yeah he's not trying to open that shit up. And like, you know what. I just, I just really wish uh, we were being taken care of in a way where we wouldn't even have to worry about working right now. We could just worry about getting everything back to where it should be for us to be out and open. You want to open shit up and have all these rules and All right. So wrapping up, um, one last question. Um, since we're we were on the topic of like people people of color and like uh, when they how do they pick and choose what mm-hmm. side to do? When when it comes to like mixed kids and things like that, would you have any advice or 
um, even with white people, like any advice on how they can like make a difference or like, um, you know, know when to mm-hmm. fight for the for the cause. I think uh, first I want to address uh, the the people who are adamant about the fact that they are not racist. I want to address them. If you really truly feel like you are not racist and you love everybody and you know you speak up for everybody and because I see a lot of people. would just be to sometimes you cut out you cut out on that last part part just now yeah that like that last sentence um, okay um well i can start that over because i had just started well yeah. what i was uh, the message or advice that i have for the people who really claim that they're not racist but aren't saying anything would just to be sometimes you gotta risk it for the biscuit that's the thing and it, your job shouldn't matter at this point. No, it's hard to say that because of the way that we pay our business. But that has to be secondary when it comes to people trying to make a difference. I can't worry about my job and whether I'm going to get another job in the future um, because of the fact that I decided to stand up for what's right. It's not. It's not drugs. It's not anything like you know shit like that it's literally me or them standing up for what's right because it's a lot of women right now who are just like well i can't say anything because my job monitors my and and i'm just kind of like just because your job monitors your social media does not mean that you can't stick up for a cause so you you really really care like you want everybody to think you care you need to just act on it Stop overthinking it. Don't think too much. Because, I mean, it was the point where I felt like if I said something that I wouldn't get the job or I wouldn't do this or I wouldn't do that. And I had to put that on the back burner. Because okay. this is... And I know that I want to make a difference. And I think if I was Spanish or white or any other race, that I would still feel the same way. Right. I, I face and tell them that I made a difference in this world. I impacted this world in a positive way. And I think that uh, it's a lot of people right now feel like, um, and I have to think about myself like, Oh, repeat, sorry, repeat that again, it, it cut out. I said, um, as far as I'm concerned, um, like for certain people, they feel like certain platforms aren't mm-hmm. doing or certain black people aren't doing enough. And my whole thing is like, for me, I don't drive. I don't, I don't drive. I can drive a little bit, but I just have a phobia with driving. So it's just kind of like, I do what I can from where I am. And when I can do more, I do more. So it's just kind of like following those same rules for these other races. If you feel like you have something that you need to say that's gonna stand up for what's going on right now, get it out. Right. We, it's a collective. It's a collective. And we all need to work together. So even if you feel like, oh, you're not black or and you don't identify with these issues, wrong is wrong. And I feel like everyone should, um, you know, stand up. And if you see an injustice, do it. It doesn't matter. Oh, no, I'm not one of those. And also, too, for my pe- other people of color, you do also, too, experience oppression. But you got to think about it from the black, look at it from the black point of view. And 
how this country doc and it's documented how they cheated black Americans mm -hmm. in this country. And then with my Hispanics, you need I read and I feel like with them and um I think a lot of them don't know their history and that's why they do act like that now. And I feel like, you know, you need to gain that knowledge. You need to gain that knowledge. Actually, uh saying that uh my boyfriend's brother actually has a shirt with this on it. It literally says, if you want to hide something from a nigger, put it in a book. And that's the realest shit that I've ever seen in my life. And it's sad to say that. Like, it's really sad. Like, come on. Are always like, I don't like reading books. And I'm like, and you're a part of the problem. Then listen to them then. There's so many options. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't want to read it, Put some earphones in or play that shit out loud and listen to that shit because my whole thing is that makes a difference. When you, uh, because uh, the black history knowledge that I have was self-taught. I didn't learn that shit in school. Right. That it's shit what you you gotta bring that to your dinner table. That's that's how a lot of this is. So you gotta bring it to your dinner table. Like I think a lot of uh, non-black people just feel like they don't have the knowledge so they feel like they can't speak on it. And I'm just like, knowledge is right in front of you. All you gotta do is read into it. Hello. We can get this knowledge and if you need help, we got you, bro. I just got out. you. We got it. It's like so we need to work together. It's a collective. Yeah, and I'm always down to answer questions that anybody has. You got a question and you really genuinely care about the answer, I got you. Now what right. I'm not saying no ignorant ass bitch who just wanna go back and forth just cause. Right. Because ignorance is bliss, and you can't argue with it, and it'll take you out your space. And no one's worth fucking your energy, and that's what we also need to preserve too, as well. You know, um, and that's what we need to to acknowledge that too, as well. But like I said, it's it is just not us. It is gonna have to take a whole collective. And I need and what I like about the internet is it's in your face, and you can't hide from it. So now, as I feel like a lot of more people, more people are getting involved because you can't run from it. You cannot say it's not there because it's literally in your face every day. And I make, I'm, I make it a point to put things on my timeline so that it is in people's faces. Right, and you, it make you uncomfortable. Make you uncomfortable. You don't get to ignore this. You don't get to make it a mediocre thing. And uh, something that I realized that I've had to do, unfortunately, is literally go through the list of people that they love me and care about me and see if they're literally speaking on this situation. Because if you're not, that says a lot about you. Right. And I see you. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't mind removing you from my life. I never had an issue removing people from my life. Right, we young, we can meet more, way more people down that line. This is just <laughs> one chapter, and we still got another chapter to go. Exactly. If you're not positively affected my life, you gotta go. Hello. You, what makes you think that I won't cut off somebody that I'm just friends with? Right. Shoot, I got family I haven't spoken to in years. Right. It don't they, they, they don't serve me. They don't serve me any positivity. Gotta let mm -hmm. that. You gotta cut that cord. Cut that. Cut that blue limb off. <laughs> it's not worth having friends who don't really give a shit about the situation that's going on are you really my friend can i really right. call you? i really the fuck can i can't call you my friend if you don't think that it's a problem that people are putting target and AutoZone on a higher pedestal than a black life 
this is the black life down here. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, I don't think. And it's crazy how all these people who want to comment on the looting and all this other shit, you're not talking about the white people that are involved in that shit. Right. And uh, don't forget, white people be looting up for sports. They literally had guns there trying to say, oh, let's go get hair. I need haircuts with AK, with AR-15s. But right. these non-protesters, they're literally protesting. Yo, they, they want to see the lives of humanity. And they get tear gas. And, and if you don't see the difference, and you really don't see that, then I, you really don't care in my eyes. And you don't want to see it. I can't even use that statement if you don't see anymore because you see it. You see it. You're you're making the choice to ignore it. And I can't and I can't be friends with nobody or work for a company or work for a business. Work for a business as a state of emergency because that's what this is. This is a state. Right. And they need to address it. If y'all don't want to see, if you don't want to see bodies dropping to the floor, you need to address the problem that y'all should have been addressing. And then people always, and you'll see, yeah, you got the president, but look at these people in Congress. There's still people in Congress and in the Senate that are, that has been their system pro since my grandmother. <laughs> since my grandmother was a kid. Like, and my grandmother just turned 65. And I got right. grandmother turned 67. So we definitely need to see more diversity and in, in we need to see more women. We need to see more people of color up in there. And we also, too, we need to organize within ourselves and our community and organize on the lower levels so we can put these people in place so we can get our demands of what we deserve. Because I'm over it and, I am, and I'm 24. I was born in 1996 and I really, I'm still going through this shit. I'm not trying to teach my kids this in 2020, like in 2040. Like, no. Oh, and you know what's crazy? Like when um when I initially got pregnant, but when I initially got pregnant last year in January, right when I got my first two positives, I made a choice that day to not say the N word as much as I used to, and then I slowly just haven't said it anymore because I need my to work on that. <laughs> but I use it within context, like when I wanna. When it's ignorant ass shit, because nigga means ignorant. Niggas, because everybody is fucking nigga. <laughs> um, and it's just one of those things. Like, of course, I had to like really work with myself to make sure that I took that out of my vocabulary. But I think it's very important for Black people to also realize that we do need to take it out of our vocabulary. Right, because we not ignorant. Right, and I'm not saying it as like, hey, you can't say, why are you saying that? You can't say that to your friends no more. We be around black people all the time, and our black friends and our black family always says, uh, nigga, nigga this, nigga that. And I'm just like, because we made it into a comfortable vocabulary word for us. We did that shit for us. Right, and that's why we get the fucking say, y'all motherfuckers can't, because we shed blood for that word, and when we say it, we know where the hell we coming from, and like I told you before, if it's, we only, and I realize that when black people say niggas, it's always talking about ignorant shit. Like, we be like, them niggas over there, we talking about them ignorant-ass motherfuckers over there. When you say that in front of a non-black person in the way that you say it, they take that shit and they run with it and they just like, oh yeah, 
that black person is being ignorant. So I'm gonna go ahead and call that black person a nigga. And we need to stop doing that too because Joe Biden is a little example of why you can't invite everybody to the barbecues. And we definitely gonna tell who, who we can definitely say that for another episode. So girl, whenever you have time. <laughs> so much more to unpack. This so is not much more. Not something that we can talk about in a fucking day. This is something that right. we go over probably the course of this year. Right. Because it's so much. This is not something small. This is not something that we have to, you know, just talk about one day and expect to change. This is something that's gonna have to be worked on for millennials. Is and, uh, right in the the revolutions within the, within the youth and us. As, as young kids and pe- people like my brother who's 19 years old now you know we gotta start i got niece i got goddaughters i got nieces 10 11 years old and i want to make sure they don't go through this i don't want to ever 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 especially my young beautiful black girls i want them to grow up loving their hair and you know not all black girls are full figured because you know i'm skinny as hell myself and i want girls to love their bodies and i want i don't want nobody to um the uh, to like uh, harm myself with surgeries. Don't get me wrong. Did I wish that you know God would have gave me a little bit more ass, a little bit, just a little bit, just a tiny, just a little, just a little muffin. I got a cupcake. I just want a muffin just a little, because you know just so it can like even out with my boob ratio. But yeah. <laughs> but on that note, thank you for joining me. I'm so glad we definitely had this discussion. Um, I'm definitely going to. Uh, we definitely want to have us do this again. Um, so let the viewers know uh, where they can find you at. If you want um, anyone to follow you on Instagram, if you got if you got like a platform, anything that you do. Absolutely, there is my Instagram and my Twitter are both underscore got Mari. That's where you're gonna find this face at. That's where I be at, and I do be talking my shit. I do not hesitate. Uh, so if you are sensitive and you don't want to hear what I got to say, my shit ain't for you. But, <laughs> but all together, like, I just, I want us to all collectively get together. And if that means starting off with following each other on social media, shit, let's get it poppy. Let's do it. And then you'll find me on Facebook via Kayla. She'll be able to point you in my direction. And the invite I make this a regular thing because it's a lot to unpack. So I'm ready. I'm ready That's to do right. it. Thank so, you. <laughs> it's going to be how we make a difference and I'm down to do it. Let's get it. Yes. Let's- Thank you. This is, this, is, this is what we have to do. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, you have been listening to an episode of Beetle Talks. Um, this is your girl, Kayla Monet, a.k.a. The Little Black Beetle. And thank you for, thank you for lending me your ears. Peace, love, and blessings.